0: just want to do God's will. The kind of revolution
1: that the world needs is a Christian revolution. If you want a miracle, you've got to expect it to happen. You are the recipients of God's grace and God's blessings, and you rejoice in that reality.
0: Welcome to Life Today Live Near death experiences. What do you think? Do you even know what you think? I'm not sure what I think. I'll just be honest with you up front. I'm, you know, we we had John Burke on the broadcast program late, late uh, recently, and he he's talked to hundreds, if not thousands, of people about their near death experiences. And so I know I know people at least believe that it happens to them. Of course, I've also interviewed Kevin Malarkey right up here, and he later said, "Yeah, we made up the whole thing." So I think I think a healthy skepticism towards this topic is is healthy, uh, uh, but at the end of the day, uh, I don't stake my theology on it. Uh, I stake my, my faith in Christ and Christ alone. But I'm very interested to hear people's experiences, uh, and especially in the the, the whole NDE thing, is very interesting. Can someone actually see heaven or hell? Has that well today's guest says yeah. Yeah, in fact, he, he did. Uh, and it's always interesting to talk to these people because if it happened to me, I would be a little reluctant to tell the world because you know people are going to think you're crazy and they're going to question you, and that's nobody wants to be in that position. So I actually admire someone who's you know willing to say, look, i got to tell you what I saw. Uh, and he does that. Uh, Captain Dale Black does it in a book called Visiting Heaven. Uh, so it's all right there in print. If you want to get into the details, uh, it's fascinating. Uh, and you, like, like I said, you, you be the judge. But we're going to hear his story, and I'm glad he's here today. Captain Black, great to have you here on Life Today Live.
1: Thank you, Randy. A pleasure to be here, of course.
0: So uh, for people that have, don't know anything about your story, start with you know what what happened that put you in a position that led to the rest of this.
1: Yeah. I, and I, like you, uh, I have held this story for over 40 years. I have not told this story. I did not want to tell the story. <laughs> I did say to God, I'll tell this story when you tell me, to. when you make it crystal clear. Yeah. But I was very, very content to not share this. I also would like to say that I take no pride in anything mm-hmm. that I say or what I write. If anything is good, may all glory go to God and through the Lord Jesus Christ who changed my life. But I lived this experience for 50 years. It changed me on July 18, 1969 when it occurred. I didn't tell anyone this story for many, many years, and it, but it changed everything about me, all of the major decisions of my life were made because of this experience and what God showed me and what he did uh, into my heart, which changed me forever. So I tried to live what I saw. I tried to live what I learned. And I, uh, I, I don't mean to be judgmental of anybody else, but I read no stories. I don't listen to anyone's testimony or read anyone's books. I tried to stay in a very narrow uh, lane and just, just be my, myself, my wife, our little ministry, and the Lord Jesus and follow him. I think it's fair to say,
0: given, given that and, and the fact that it was literally before I was born, I think it's fair to say that, that what you experienced, um, whether anybody, whether it aligns with anybody's theology or philosophy or worldview or any of that regardless it changed you and not just for a little while it changed everything about you that, that's what i hear you saying.
1: everything everything when i woke up from a coma on the morning of the fourth day i actually felt like god had put two brand new eyes in my sockets mm. and when i was able to talk i was Can i'll tell you i yes. guess later the injuries were were just massive but when i was able to talk i said what happened to my eyes what happened to my eyes and they thought i was talking about my eye injury but i didn't even know i had an eye injury <laughs> I didn't know my eyes were stitched patched in a gauze everything all over my head and mouth and i only had one eye one mouth and one nose to breathe through but as far as i could tell <clears throat> i felt like i was looking out of high density, full color, multiple dimensions, more than 10 dimensions, I would guess. And uh, I was wondering, what in the world has happened to me? And uh, then my next words were to the nurse, do you know Jesus? Hmm. Do you? (laughs) I was a rebellious, um, I was a Christian, but Randy, I was a sore excuse. For a Christian, I was in a Christian college, thank God. My parents really pushed that, but I was then expelled from that college, told <laughs> to never come back. Oh,
0: <laughs> and I, I was. I, I knew, just, knew some <laughs> of those. I knew some of those at Orr at Roberts. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, but uh, yeah, my life completely changed. And, you know, I'm, I, again, I'm just a man, I'm totally flawed. Uh, but by go- goodness, my life completely changed from this experience. And I have just given God uh, my whole life. Yeah. 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 Uh, given a second chance to live, He's got it all. T- tell
0: us about the plane crash.
1: It was the morning of uh, July 18th, 1969. I raced to the Hollywood Burbank Airport. I pre flighted the airplane as I was instructed to do. I was a licensed pilot but not experience. I was only 19, Randy, Hmm. but I got there and I did all the work that the captain didn't want to do. I pre-flighted, loaded it, uh, tested this, tested that. And the other pilots got there that morning. I sat in the right seat. It's a 10 passenger twin engine commuter aircraft Hmm. for the pilots out there. It's a Piper Navajo chieftain, 330, Horsepower turbocharged engines, and it was almost brand new. Hmm. So we were taxing out to runway. I was uh, onto the runway. I was in the right seat, uh, serving as co pilot. Okay. Gene was in the left seat. We were carrying only cargo bank checks, thank God for that, throughout the state of California. Just before uh takeoff, before we were actually rolled onto the runway, I got tapped on the left shoulder, and the pilot in command, the boss, I uh, said, Dale, let's switch seats. And he got into the right seat, but he's actually in command. The uh, gentleman on the left seat is able to fly, licensed to fly, but is not nearly as experienced as Chuck, the guy in the right seat. I'm sitting in the temporary third seat. The weather's clear, there's no wind, there's no clouds. It's a beautiful day in Hollywood. And we take off, get a, about 50 feet off the ground, seems like things are normal gears coming up the engines are humming normally Mm -hmm. and then about a hundred feet off the ground still the runway is below us uh then all of a sudden i was hearing some strange sounds this whining of the engine rpms and for the pilots out there you're probably thinking that this is the beginning of an engine failure but in reality We were not losing an engine. We just got things out of sync and the aircraft began to mush a little bit. Nose was too high. And so then Chuck, rightly so, took over the flight controls, said that I've got the aircraft, lowered the nose, started building up speed. And then he realized, oh, my gosh uh we don't have enough speed he said then let's land in that clear area over there and he pointed and I looked up and I thought oh my gosh uh, a golf course and we're going to crash into a golf course we'll be fine no probably nobody's going to get hurt probably but we will make the news mm-hmm. tomorrow's headlines. so it is obvious that we will be on the headlines uh what happened Randy is our wingtip of the aircraft? clipped the tops of very tall trees on the left side and broke them like kindling. That turned our aircraft about 25 degrees to the left. And then right in front of us, we're uh, we're about probably 80 feet high above the ground. Right at this point, there's this large building in front of us. Mm. And the last thing I remember, Chuck grabbing the flight controls, squeezing them really hard with his hands, turning all the way left, holding them all the way back his che- against his chest. And I realized this is it. This is the end of it. The last words he said was, oh my God. And I thought, I never told them about God. I always wanted to. I never told him about anything. Well, we slammed into this mausoleum. Strangely, It's erected in memory of famous pilots, deceased pilots. And inside of it are memorialized aviators. Amelia Earhart is there. Billy Mitchell, the Wright brothers mechanic is there. Anyway, this has been there for years. None of us knew it. And we slammed into the top of this quote, unmovable object in relation to our aircraft at 135 miles an hour impacting the monument at 75 foot above the ground. Then the aircraft broke into a couple of thousands of pieces mm. and we fell uh, 75 feet to the ground and we landed. Well, we hit the monument within each inches of each other and then we landed on the ground within just a few feet of each other. So we all went through the same impact in the same uh accident uh and there was no aircraft to be in anymore at that point
0: Mm. how long were you in the hospital after that i
1: i was in the hospital for this is this doesn't even make sense um i had both broken legs both broken ankles Mm. both knees broken the left side was horrible the left shoulder broken and sent bone through my uh neck back chest it was completely destroyed Mm. Uh, i had cuts and lacerations all over my face the head was shaved off at the top the pilots all died from blunt trauma Mm. to the brain and that was my biggest concern so i'm in the hospital all broken up and uh looking down at my body And I I should say there was shrapnel all through just cuts and everything pieces of the airplane sticking out of my abdomen, my legs, Mm. my my forehead. I had one still sticking through my right eye and my forehead. Anyway, they graciously pulled them out. But I was in the hospital and um, I was looking down at my body hovering above the emergency room. And I had this life review that only lasted a few minutes. And I realized that I didn't see my whole life. I just saw one event. This is kind of important because it explains everything to me. I saw when I was between the fifth and sixth grade, I was kneeling at a tiny altar at a church camp in Southern California and I was receiving Jesus Christ as my Lord and savior at this church camp. A young masculine pastor had taught us about the gospel of Jesus. I received that gospel. I prayed the prayer I meant it. It wasn't just a prayer. I gave the Lord Jesus my life at age 11 and a half, 12 years old right there. And uh, I realized in the hospital looking down that I was no longer that zealous for Jesus 19 year old. I had somehow wandered off and all I was doing was trying to live my own selfish life for self-centered purposes. I wanted to buy apartment buildings. I wanted to fly airplanes all over the world. And I was on that track Mm -hmm. to do that. And then this airplane crash came, the others were killed. And then I watched myself and there there I was and if I can say uh Randy the first thing I noticed in 60 seconds the first 20 seconds was I was confused what Hmm. happened what is this Hmm. the next 20 seconds it was simple oh yeah that's me we were in an airplane crash now I remember oh how sad I was only 19 I had so much I was so much to to live for and this is all happening At the crash scene, by the way, the third thing, the third 20 seconds of a one minute experience has lasted to the till the current day. I'm still dealing with what happened in the last 20 seconds of that first minute. And that was I realized, okay, I'm a spirit. Hmm. I have a soul. And I used to live in that body. I had everything turned upside down. I had it all wrong. God made us in His image, spirit. We have a a a, a soul, and we live in a body. Temporary. And I, I wrestled with all of this. I got it all figured out, and and this was before I even woke up hmm. from the airplane crash. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah.
0: So, so I, you know, it's interesting because even even God had a body temporarily. Yeah. <laughs> that I mean, if there's any. I know. If there's anything we should know is that the, the, what feels like life is just a temporary piece of eternity, and and like you say, I think most of us, it's our our perspective. Uh, I don't say this judgmentally because our from where we sit, this looks like life. But I mean, yeah. you know, you got a different view, and it and it altered you. Um, what did you? When we say you saw heaven, what is, what does that mean? What else did you see?
1: well i've i've i left the hospital being being escorted by two angelic beings i went through what looked like deep outer space again i told my grandfather about this experience right away as soon as my memory started coming back my grandfather was a uh he's he's kind of like a baptist uh, from the old school uh he uh, he very solid uh didn't know a lot of things but he was really confident in his salvation and that god is real the bible is real anyway my grandfather was about the only person i could tell everything hmm. and yet even my story about what happened i knew i couldn't tell my grandfather the whole thing <laughs> He's a businessman he's logical he's He's not what we would call charismatic today. You know, I don't yeah. even know what that word meant back in those days. But uh, yeah, I I realized that uh, what I'm going to say to you now makes no sense. It made no sense to me. I'd never heard of anybody having an experience like this. I did later, but not during the fact that I had had this airplane crash. I'd never heard, never read I didn't know anything, and I just can explain this story. Um, it had happened way back in 1969, as strange as that sounds, but it changed me forever. I saw a gigantic, brilliant light up ahead, and I was racing toward it. I felt like the, there was another light coming from my chest. I don't understand this, but it was lighting the way toward this gigantic, light far, far away, brighter than a thousand suns, and yet it didn't burn, didn't scorch. I was moving toward this. In the center was this brilliant white light. And as the light came from the center, if you're looking right at the center, it was brilliant, white, thick, palpable light, but it changed colors the further it came from the center. But all I saw was the white moving toward a little bit of yellow and then into a gold, into a rich gold. Mm. And, uh, so I knew I was moving toward a golden city. I never heard about these stories. I didn't know anything about heaven. I, knew... I went to church uh, at the Church of the Nazarene, which was a wonderful church in that day. I loved it. Uh, that's not the only way to heaven, of course, but that's where uh, my father found the Lord Jesus. That's where many of our friends became saved and uh, began the Christian walk in that church back in that day. It happened to my grandfather that way and most of my family that way. But um, I got into this area and started realizing that Everything that I'm telling you now is really hard to talk about. I'm, I like science as long as the science recognizes as that God is the creator of all things and that the laws of science are created by God. You can't exclude God from science, and if you do, then I don't like science like
0: that. <laughs> well, I, I, think, but, I think I think is it fair to say that that science studies the natural, and and when you're talking about God and the spirit in heaven, this is something that is uh, above nature or supernatural. So, I mean, I, I understand that science is self-limiting.
1: Yeah. In most and, cases, and, so and it's okay. Today's, yeah. Today's scientists work very hard to expel God out of the science study. And when I was young, it was not that way. Yeah, and God was part of, they, they're it. not
0: staying in their lane. I think if they do that, because <laughs> I mean, study yeah. the, study the physical, study the natural and, and, yeah. and you'll learn, you'll do great. So it, it, I'm going to push people towards the book. It's called visiting heaven where you get in a lot of the details of the things, uh, the specifics. Cause I mean, we, we could probably talk for two hours here. Um, but what, what I, I kind of want to bottom line it a little bit in your experience when you, felt like you understood the significance of the spiritual the reality of heaven the goodness of god what did that what did that communicate to you in other words it changed your life but what were the truths that have carried you even to this day
1: it's a interesting that right at the very beginning of what i would call my arrival into the city of gold the city of god heaven right into my arrival of course there's the beauty there's the music uh, i could talk forever on the music <laughs> I think, and i'm not a musician <laughs> that makes it even more interesting i know nothing about music uh, professionally but oh my gosh it, it changed my whole life but um there's this group of people that were assembling and congregating obviously it was obvious to me they were there to meet me and greet me and we were arriving at the same time wow. uh, it's interesting that uh, to make it really a uh, long story short I began to uh realize that these people were just beautifully accepting me for the first time in my life. I felt like I belonged somewhere, that I was wanted. It wasn't about what I could do. It was about who I was. And then I looked at the eyes of these people, of course, brighter, the smiles, the bigger. But w- when God and I were talking about this, I was saying, the Lord, you know, I don't notice anybody from my ancestry. I don't see an uncle and an aunt right here in this beginning. Now, I found many family members later. later, But in this group, there was no one that would seem biological related to me. Mm. And the Lord was talking to me. And, and he was saying, now, do you notice there's any racial differences here? Racial? Uh, no, but there was... Hispanics in, in mm. color and in look, black, mm. white, Asian, all kinds of physical characteristics, but nothing mattered. And there was gender differences. I couldn't even tell it. And the Lord and I were talking about this, but I couldn't tell the gender. I couldn't tell the ethnicity differences. And it all hit me. And I think the Lord was just smiling, almost like ta- patting me on the back. See, you understand now, don't you? we are one in the blood of jesus it's the blood of jesus christ Mm -hmm. flowing through literally i don't think we have it in physically i don't think i don't know but we have the blood of jesus that bonds us together in heaven and what's so incredible when done correctly When we get out of God's way, when ministers get out of the way and lead correctly and bring in the Holy Spirit into a meeting or or into a group where people are, we can have that same oneness. We can have that unity. Now, you can't have it with the brethren that are... uh, that are thinking they're saved going to heaven and they're not. It only happens when it's the blood of Jesus that is shed for our sins. And and, and we have that unity in in the oneness of Jesus Christ. Well, I experienced that. I'm probably not explaining it very well. But right off the bat with this group of people within just a matter of a moment or two, I realized that, oh, my gosh, this is the unconditional love that I've always wanted. I have not met Jesus. I've not seen God. I'm just getting to this city of gold, and I'm listening to the music and seeing the sights. But I'm one with this group of people for the first time in my life. It changed my life. There's three stories in the book of Visiting Heaven that are three out of about 91 different stories that the experiences, we call them adventures of faith. And these are just what we learned about God, about uh, the the Bible. You don't have to go to heaven or be in an airplane crash to have any of these things. You just have to, for one reason or another, give the Lord Jesus your all. Give him everything. Hold nothing back. And then do what he tells you to do, either in his word or through his Holy Spirit. Don't just know it, but do, do it. it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, these are the adventures of faith. And and we'll see if the uh, publisher wants more of these books. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, uh, what's interesting, though, I mean, you you claim you went to heaven where God spoke to you about unity among believers in Christ. Well, Jesus came to the world and spoke to his disciples about unity among believers in him. So, you know, there's no discrepancy there. Um, How many, was was it just one, was this all one experience, or are you saying that there has been multiple experiences?
1: Oh, with me, it was just one experience. just the one time and and when i came to, the, to when i woke up in the hospital on the morning of the fourth day i i was hearing a glorious music fading away and i came into this body again very mangled and i have, everyone says this and i i even remember uh, pieces of this the first 10 20 minutes full of joy full of happiness mm-hmm. full of purpose full of zeal again, ready to conquer the world for Jesus. (laughs) Well, and so what's, what's, I'll never never use my arm again. (laughs) What's,
0: what's been the result of that? What, I mean, what, what is, what has been the goal of your life? What have you done with the rest of your life? You got back in an airplane, didn't you?
1: I did. Yeah. I, I was, of course, I was never going to walk again and never fly again. Obviously, mm. I would never see out of my eye again. Mm. I had serious uh, brain damage and sitting in a wheelchair with one eye only about a week after the airplane crash, I barely was able to sit up or, you know, uh, I was a licensed pilot, but I had such amnesia. I couldn't remember half of my life. Everything to do with aviation was gone. I couldn't remember anything about flying. So, uh, but I wanted to get back and become a pilot because I, I don't know why. When I was a kid, uh, our family, we went around the world and I wanted to be an a- aviation pilot. But sitting in that wheelchair, I got I got reading the Bible And it says, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Well, I can only see with one eye. I was told I'd never see out of the other eye. So I thought, well, I might as well learn about faith. And I thought, gosh, if I can learn about faith, maybe I can develop faith. I found another scripture in that wheelchair with that one eye and that one arm and that one leg. And it said, for faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So I realized that I can develop faith. I do it. It's, it's not a, there is a gift of faith, we, I learned later, but I began to understand that, oh my gosh, if I study God's word and if I speak God's word, Jesus said, have faith in God. For whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart but believes that those things which he says will come to pass, he will have whatever he says. And it goes on and on and on. I began to realize in that wheelchair, oh my gosh, there's nothing more important than God's word. His word holds it all together. It holds the universe together. And there's nothing more important than the Holy Spirit. I didn't even understand the fullness but I, 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 I got as much as I could with what I had, and God was faithful. And, and I told people, I said, you watch, you wait, you'll see this eye. I will see again. I will be able to see out of my eye again. And people pat me on the shoulder, pat me on the back. And, uh, of course, you know, it took a long, long, Mm -hmm. long, long time, but I ended up, can I give a little testimony to the Lord Jesus and the power of his word? (laughs) I ended up with 40 years as a professional airline pilot with 20-20 uncorrected vision out of that inch eye. And I'm saying no Lasix, no contacts, nothing. Uh, one year later, I began to see, and after that, I began to learn how to keep an eye. Uh, an eye is a muscle. It is. And so praying to God that we will, you know, praying to God for answers to prayer and thanking God for answers to prayer, even before they arrive, uh, even before the prayer is answered, we we thank God because that's an exercise of faith, I believe. That's what I did. And I put that in the book. The publisher said, please put your uh your exercise program your regiment about what you did for the eye because a lot of people will need and and want that so that's in the book visiting heaven how i got this eye working with god the supernatural and working with exercise and diet in the natural realm putting them together and my eye is is incredibly uh, been blessed because of god yeah,
0: yeah. I've, I've actually had to do the same thing after some surgeries on my eye. And you walked again, though?
1: Yeah, yeah, I began to walk again. Of course, I got I had miracles. This is where God just reached down and did a miracle, a, a big bone in my ankle. It just had no blood in it hmm. for months, no blood circulation, nothing. They had to take the bone out. And uh, at that point, maybe I was young, maybe I was zealous, but I said, no, 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 no you will not take that bone out god's going to put blood through that bone you watch you wait you'll see yeah i was saying the same old thing but boy was that a tough test because nothing got better nothing got better nothing got better my eye was getting better my arm was getting better my mind was coming back slowly but my ankle was just dead and then one day uh, randy i was praying and I was mad at God. I'd I'd kind of reached the end of my rope. And I said, God, you failed me. I, I don't know what I did wrong, but it seems like you did something wrong this time. And you didn't answer prayer. And I went out and I got in front of a bunch of people. And I said, you watch, you wait, you'll see. And God will do this. And he didn't. And the doctor's given up on me and he can't do this operation he wanted to do. And I told him not to do it. And it was too late. And now I'm gonna be in a wheelchair for the rest of my life. Okay, God, what did you do wrong? (laughs) What did you do wrong, God? And where did I miss? Anyway, I went through this little temper tantrum and finally at the end of which, I finally punched myself out and I began to hear this still small voice. And uh, it meant a lot to me And, and the voice was saying, Dale, why do you want your healing so bad? Seek first the kingdom of God mm-hmm. and his righteousness, and all these things will come unto you. And I realized, oh, my gosh. Now, keep in mind, I just turned 20. I uh, just a kid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I was pretty young, but I just realized, oh, my gosh. Here I go again, selfishness, self-centeredness in everything, even the things of God, I'm being selfish. (laughs) So I surrendered my all and said, God, no kidding. I'm serious. Gladly. I don't, I don't need to fly again. I guess I'll I'll stay in this wheelchair. I guess I'll do whatever you tell me to do. My life is yours from now on, from now on absolutely all of it. And immediately, I felt like somebody poured warm hydraulic fluid over my body. <laughs> that's what I described. I grew up in a trucking company, so that's <laughs> probably something to do with it. But I felt like I was bathed in some warm liquid. Anyway, a couple of weeks later, I go back to the doctor to have a typical two weeks uh, x-ray and uh, I expect nothing and the doctor turned around this is a this is a very famous doctor in hollywood everybody uh, knew him at the time but uh, he turned around and said dale your ankle is healed the more in the last 2 weeks than in the last you know almost year combined Jeez. and uh, the blood started circulating when i solely when i totally sold out and followed that scripture seek first the kingdom of god and his righteousness Oh my gosh, Randy! As a nineteen-year-old, I knew there was things in my life that were not quote righteous. There were some things that I was holding away from confession. Well, I confessed it all. I gave him everything. And two weeks later, my bone is starting to circulate with blood in it. It continued. It continued. That doctor, by the way, Evil Knievel, the daredevil, his doctor. Peggy Fleming, the ice skater, and the whole list goes on and on and on. That doctor became my friend and became born again, following Jesus for the rest of his life. It changed him. We became, we became like this for the many, many decades that I knew him afterwards. Praise the good Lord. He's waiting for me now in
0: heaven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and So here, here's my question, because here's where I think, um, you know, the, the, the proof is in the pudding, if you will. It, how many people that you have, because you didn't die in that plane crash, and because you surrendered your God, life entirely to the Lord, how many people have you seen come to Christ throughout your life?
1: I I made an agreement with God and said if he would help me, that I would try to do my best and pray and lead 1,000 people a year to the Lord Jesus Christ. I prayed that when I was in the wheelchair. I meant it. The first year, I didn't have 1,000, but I had a couple of hundred. In the second year, I still didn't have 1,000, but I had a couple of hundred. Now, this is as a pilot as a businessman, not as a minister, just a pilot in the aviation industry for the people that I knew in the circles that I went to. But as time went on, I was kind of keeping a mental note. And I said, Lord, at 30 years, we need 30,000, you know. And the Lord said, now, Dale, now, Dale, don't you worry about numbers. You know, I'll deal with that. And I said, okay, Lord, I know. So I'm seeking first the kingdom of God and your righteousness, all these things, but by the Thirtieth year, there was thirty thousand and more, and the Lord said, "Now, Dale, can we stop counting?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know that I know that He was telling me to stop counting. Yeah. So, yeah, one thousand one-on-one, thirty thousand one-on-two, and uh, that's a, as a pilot.
0: Yeah, and and you know the thing, it, it's it's about it's not about the numbers. When one person comes to Christ, all of heaven rejoices. You know, absolutely. But it's about the obedience. It's about the surrender. You know, I'm I am not a pilot, but if I came up into your cockpit and and started grabbing the controls, you probably wouldn't appreciate it, nor would the other passengers on the airplane. Yeah. But when I sit back in my seat and, and clutch the armchairs through any bit of turbulence as I tend to do, uh, but surrender to the guy who really is in charge, I, yeah. We always get where we yeah. need to be going, and right. I just—if anybody hears anything you say today, it is that that surrender your life, everything, uh, and he'll take you places you could never dream.
1: Yeah, he led us to take teams to preach Jesus, to preach the gospel, to put our hands on the sick and and uh, uh, food and clothing to over fifty countries yeah. for about thirty years. It, it was just a. A wonderful expression of thank you God for life again uh, but you're exactly right everything you said Randy is 100% correct
0: I love it um, if you want to read the details uh, if this fascinates you like it does me um, but more importantly I think what you if you're listening you're, you're hearing the heart of God through all of this and and I didn't hear anything that makes me go oh, I'm not sure if that might contradict no i mean. What what he's Dale has lived out is the gospel. It's the good news. Uh, it's it's the truth that's in the word. God's consistent, and so any experience, you know, whether we're skeptical, whether we believe it, it's got to line up with the word of God. and And that's what you're seeing here. So uh, I want you to check out visiting heaven. You can pick it up where you get books. I I just want to show you Dale's website as well. It's uh, Dale Black dot org dale black ministries you do you are full-time ministry now uh vocational ministry right but you've been full-time ministry you've been full-time ministry since you were 19 let's be honest right
1: (laughs) yeah it's been full-time in a sense but we don't take a salary and we you know we've not been doing this for any kind of a commercial purpose yeah uh we we are just now realizing that uh god is really talking very clearly about my wife and i preparing anyone with an open heart who yeah. know what's coming around the corner. Mm-hmm. Some would say, well, this is a last days of planet earth. And I would tend to agree that, there, that we are really running out of time. The signs are there that we're toward the end. And I think God has given uh, my wife an incredible anointing and me to join with that in preparing people to understand God's Last day's teaching and and there's some misinformation out there, and uh, not not that we have it all right, but we we do uh, have another book or two or three coming that will help people understand how to navigate right to the very end without sickness or disease picking you off before your time, but uh, to to get answers to prayer yeah. and to live until God takes you home,
0: yeah. I'd, I'd love to talk to you off the air about that. If you want to pursue that conversation, I'm not a dispensationalist, but I can tell you this. Uh, you're not going to you're not going to be here in 100 years if you're watching this. <laughs> you're probably not 50, you know, unless you're very yeah. young. Uh, yeah. But the re- the reality is, is this life is a vapor. Scripture calls it And in yeah. the span of eternity. It is. It's like that. And yeah. so we need to make the best of the time to live for Christ, to point people to Christ, uh, right. to bring in the harvest that, that he says is out there. Uh, and so, yeah, it's very important. What Dale's sharing with you is is critically important. And the best part about it is that all the you find out at some point in life all these other things that you've worried about, that you've put your energy into, your money into, your time into, Really doesn't matter,
1: but what we're talking about with the kingdom of God, it lasts forever. So I believe because of all of this, Randy, that that heaven is very, very real, mm-hmm. and the, yeah, hell is real and death is certain. But mm-hmm. oh my goodness, we have so much we can appropriate if we understand God's word and we allow His Holy Spirit to live to live in us. Exactly. Exactly.
0: And and you know what. The rest of us, we may not visit heaven until we go there to stay, but we can help heaven visit others on this earth. That's our calling.
1: There you go. Absolutely. Well said. Yeah.
0: Thank you, Dale. I appreciate you. Uh love the I love the story. It's always fascinating. But more most of all, I love you I love your commitment. Your commitment to Christ and to truth uh and and to bring in other people into the kingdom. Thank you, sir.
1: And right back at you. Same thing with you. Bless you for what you're doing with your life. God bless you, sir. For-
0: appreciate you guys watching. Hit that share button if you haven't done that. And if you haven't liked or followed or subscribed, I would request that you do that so that you get notifications of more interesting and informative and sometimes challenging conversations. I've got some really some good ones lined up. It's going to be good. So I appreciate you guys being here. Check out Visiting Heaven. Oh, that's his website. This is the book, Visiting Heaven. You can get it wherever you get books. We'll see you again next time here on Life Today Live. We on vast, sea of divine